we come before you, and Lord, we're just thankful to be here tonight, each one that is here, and Lord, we carry burdens of, of this life, and burdens of events in the world with that are happening around us, and Lord, we just ask that we be able to lay those burdens at your feet tonight, and Lord, that we would turn our attention and our hearts towards you, and your goodness, and your greatness, and who you are, and what you have done, and Lord, that you would help us as we continue in this subject of worship to understand just a little more of what it truly means to worship the one true Creator and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Right, and uh, I will tell you that I was deeply challenged by some of the preaching at the meeting last Thursday night. We spent our time in uh, Genesis chapter 22, talking about the pattern of worship. And then uh, Monday night, Brother Hardy preached, uh, Brother Wayne Hardy preached a message on worship. And I said, you know what, we've got to continue this, we've got to make this a series. It's not going to just be one message. And uh, we want to examine some things. And then uh, Brother Wayne Hardy, he's the publisher of the... uh, Global Independent Baptist Times there. Uh, Turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 4 and 5, and as you're turning there, I'll finish here. But uh, he preached uh, a message on congregational singing that was just, uh, you're going to get that one, I promise you. And uh, if if you uh, want to tune in, uh, uh, I think you can get the sermons online. I know you can listen to many of them live stream and... uh, um, but uh, it was it was just a, a very good meeting, some good fellowship with uh, pastors, and uh, we was also able to set a date uh, with Brother Copes and Heartland. Uh, the inner city missions class is on schedule again to be uh, during spring break, and Stephen, uh, it really helps having uh, agents on campus recruiting. And uh, Stephen's already said, the guys in the dorms, Dad, they're coming to me talking about this class. And so I uh, would not mind that uh, you would start talking there. One of our missionaries, uh, three new missionary families were endorsed uh, by the Global Independent Baptist Fellowship. Uh, one, I just desperately want our church to take them on for support. They've been in Argentina for 26 years. And uh, they came home, and they kind of knew what was going on, but the church that had sent them to the field got a new pastor. He changed the music. He changed the Bible. He changed the doctrine. They didn't even recognize the church that had sent them to the field 26 years before. The mission board that they were out under was endorsing. All of those changes connected with the Bible College. You've heard me refer to the Bible College I went to. I, uh, uh, all of these things were there, and they said, where are we going to go? And uh, they had been looking and said, you know, the, the Global Independent Baptist Fellowship believes the things that we believed when we left for the field 26 years ago. And so they came to... Uh, our fellowship and said, will you endorse us as missionaries? And uh, 
uh, I'll tell you what, they're going to pay for what they've done because the people that were in charge of the old board, uh, they're mad because when a missionary does something like this, what he's doing is he's saying, I don't agree with the changes. Now, how many of you agree with the changes? (laughs) Hopefully no one here. And uh, uh, there's going to be churches that are going to drop them. He he expects to lose $1,000 a month support. But they're in the midst of, of the work there. They came back to meet with the mission board so that we could see them in person, and they were at the fellowship meeting. But I think it's Tuesday or Wednesday. They head back to Argentina because uh, they're not ready to take a furlough yet. And so... Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I'd like to get behind these people. I don't know if we actually have it in our missions budget or not, but I, I think we do. Amen? Uh, I think we can find that. Everybody okay with just doing that? And, and we'll uh, we'll send them uh, just a, a lovely couple. Um, now I'm trying to remember their names. It's the Thornton family. Uh, he... Uh, left Baptist Bible College just a few years before I got there and uh, uh, never met these people before. Uh, just got a, a information from them. But I'll tell you what, we need, to, we need to stand behind people who are still willing to take a stand in this day and time. And um, they had to find a different sending church and the Lord blessed there, uh, and uh, just uh, 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 all the way around. And so, if we could just get behind them, and uh, I think it'll be a real encouragement to them, and hopefully they'll come and see us uh, next time they're there, uh, back in the States. But uh, I'll tell you what, was just just really encouraged. Another young family, they want to plant a church in the Kansas City area and was just talking with Brother Drinkard, that is his name, and uh, he said, do you have any information or things that you would just offer? And I started talking to him about the inner city missions class. And he says, I need to come for that. And so, uh, I don't know, hopefully we'll see him uh, during spring break uh, and uh, he'll be there for that. But Revelation chapters 4 and 5 And uh, I want you to pray with me. I had not really intended on an entire series in worship right now, but honestly and truly, why does the church exist? It is the body of Christ, is it not? It's supposed to do on earth what Jesus wants us to do. Amen? And as we look here in Revelation 4 and 5, we have to find the church in here. And I believe this 20 in 4 elders is uh, the number there is not just an arbitrary number that is chosen, that there were 12 tribes of Israel. Remember, the apostles will sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And... and, uh, how many apostles were there? There were 12 apostles. So, so we have Old Testament, New Testament, we can say Old Testament Israel, New Testament church here together. And, and one day we're going to be united. And 
course, Jesus talked about that. He, and uh, even the high priest said that one of the things Jesus is going to do is bring together in one body, one assembly, all believers. Uh, that's in John chapter 11. And so as we look at these things, we, we see that part of our purpose is to worship God. We, we call our Sunday morning services worship services. And last week we spent some time in talking about how that God was the originator of this act that He called upon Abraham to perform And God was trying to teach Abraham things that there was just no other way Abraham was going to learn. And and during the the, uh, meeting, Brother Hardy uh, Sr., as he was preaching his sermon uh, on uh, Sunday night, I mean Monday night, he asked the question, he says, what does this look like? What, What does worship look like? And uh, I was, of course, following his notes and listening as he preached. But the first thing that came to my mind, what does worship look like? Well, Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Amen? Hello? Revelation chapter 4 and 5, God actually opens or pulls back the curtain of heaven and lets us look in at what goes on there for worship. And I want us to spend just a little bit of time where uh, I'm probably not going uh, to do much verse for verse. We're going to look at some words uh, should, uh, should we have enough time to do so here. But what, what I want us to look at is this whole thing of worship, just like Abraham This was started, this was originated. God is the instigator of this. It is God that has assembled this group in heaven that is worshiping Him. When we get to chapter 5, it is God that stands, uh, sits upon His throne holding this book, not the Bible. Read the rest of the book of Revelation. It is the book of the wrath of God and judgment of Almighty God. And the question is asked, who is worthy to take the book? And there's a search made through the entire universe. Now, we use that name, but there's a search made in heaven. You know, uh, we have uh, propelled these space probes. If you follow that stuff at all, the the Cassini uh, Saturn probe just ran out of fuel and crashed into uh, the surface of Saturn and everyone at NASA was wearing black armbands and crying and uh, as their little space probe died. Uh, and, and But it gave us some pictures and, and things. And I'm sorry, I have to mock NASA. I just really do. Uh, But I'll tell you what, I love the beautiful pictures that we can see of what's out there because it tells me about God. Amen? It is amazing the things that God has made. And we think we're so smart. And you know what? The more we find out, the more we find out 
we don't know near as much as we thought we knew. How all of these things happen. And yet, we can't travel to heaven. And yet, when God makes this search, He searches all of heaven, all of earth, the depths of the ocean. And John is there watching as every messenger comes back and reports, we cannot find anyone. And he is overwhelmed and he just begins weeping. And it's just like one of the angels gives him a kick in the shin and said, Stop it! We know where this is going. you just got to pay attention. Because there is one. The Lamb. As if it had been slain. See, tonight we need to speak about a word a little bit called worthy. It's used all the way through these chapters. You see, God wants us to understand that He is worthy. He, he is worthy of Abraham going through that emotional angst for those uh, days that he traveled. If we understand the time frame, God came to Abraham. He spake. He left early the next morning. He traveled for three days. Then he gets up on the top of that mountain where God said and begins to go through and explain to Isaac what is going to happen. And we believe that Isaac cooperated there and was a willing participant as Abraham bound him and put him on the altar and all of that. We're talking four full days, possibly the better part of five complete days that Abraham is thinking, God wants me to kill my son, burn his body to ashes, and God's going to resurrect him and we're going to come back down off this mountain And Abraham says, God is worthy of all of that endeavor. That's what I tried to communicate last Thursday night about putting it all on the line. And here, we have these mighty beasts that the Bible describes and the angels. And I don't want you to forget about angels. They're not cute little things. Every time a human being sees an angel in the Bible, what's the first thing the angel says? Fear not. Uh, You better be glad. I mean, they sing all these silly hillbilly songs about I saw an angel standing there. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you actually saw a real angel standing there, it would scare you stiff. Uh, You would not be able to move. You would not be able to speak. You would be filled with terror. That's why God doesn't allow us to see them right now. But one of these days, we're going to be singing with them. And I'll tell you what, I, I can't wait to see and hear and experience these things. But the purpose of this assembly of in heaven is to worship God. We get to the end of chapter 5. 
and it kind of summarizes both of these two chapters here. It says, And the four beasts said, Amen, and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. And we know that's specifically talking about Jesus Christ, the Lamb that has as if it had been slain. But this is what these chapters talk about is worship. Chapter 4, verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You want to know why there is such a big deal about evolution. We are given two reasons to worship God here in these two chapters. Chapter 4 is about God as the Creator. Why is man attack God in these things? Or uh, the devil inspire man to attack God? Because it is one of the primary purposes, reasons, why we should worship God. Everything that is, out of nothing became. The transforming power that took nothing and made everything that we know is the spoken voice of God. Now we get to chapter 5. Let's just look there for a moment. Verse 9, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. God is attacked in His position as Creator. Everything in our society attacks God. That's why global warming is so important. Because man must be the protector of this world. No, God is the Creator. It is His personal property. I love to put it this way. Who but God could waste a spance of 13.5 billion light years across of matter and put one little planet with us on it somewhere in that vast expanse It's not an expanse of nothingness. It's full of all kinds of things. We got, I mean, where in the world are these asteroids supposed to come from that's supposed to destroy the earth? I mean, they're part of that, what they call nothingness of space. There's, there are, the space is full. Imagine 13 and a half billion light years across and it's full of matter. And the only place we can find life is right here on this little planet. All they love to write about subterranean water and possibility of life and all, it's all imagination. Here we have life. Talk about a creator. Amen? But what's the next thing they attack God on? 
the Savior. That's what chapter 5 is about. We worship Him. Two primary reasons. Number one, He is the Creator. Do you know what that ideal of Creator does? It gives God some exclusive rights. Uh, In the United States of America, we have what we call copyright laws. And... uh, uh, Patents and uh, there, there's an entire um, division or whatever category, whatever you call it, of law that has nothing else except the protection of property of things that people create. You cannot write someone else's words and sign your name to them and claim you wrote them. That's called Plagiarism. Uh, Big deal about that when that happens. And uh, political speech makers are getting in trouble all the time. Because now we have a vast library that is at your fingertips and they can research who said what first. And you give the wrong person credit for something and you're going to be... Shot down in flames. I mean, they're just going to make fun of you. Nobody's going to listen to you. You you better be careful about your sources. And yet, when it comes to the universe, we don't want to give God's God any rights. Ownership. Design. The administration of it the choice on how it's supposed to be used and how it's supposed to be lived in. All of those things are His right as the Creator, are they not? And then we talk about the Savior. How many Saviors would be Saviors are in the world today? It's amazing to me. So many, quote-unquote, churches, they call themselves Christian churches. When you bring down the issue of salvation and say, uh, you, you go to the Catholic priest and say, how do you get saved? And if he's honest, he's going to go through a process. He's going to say, well, listen, you need to be uh, uh uh, they call it baptism. The, it's actually sprinkled as a baby. That's not baptism. The Greek Orthodox know that. They take the babies and they actually immerse them completely. And uh, we can talk about uh, not nice things to do to poor little babies. Uh, that would be one of them. Uh, but... They claim all of this, but you can't have salvation. You can't know that you have salvation. You work for it all your life. And then maybe someday you will judge it. Be worthy of salvation. Do you know what this passage here says? That God gives us salvation of His own goodness and His own love. 
And the least thing that we can do is recognize Him as the Savior and return our worship to Him. You see, that's, that's what we're talking about. God is the originator of worship. It comes from who He is and what He has done. And if God wants anything from His church... He wants us to recognize who God is. He's the creator. Do you have a problem? I don't think we'd have a person here on Thursday night have a problem with God as the creator. But how does that really apply? Well, here's just one application. When they start talking about how that man is going to destroy the earth and all of these things. Now, should we pollute? Does, does the Bible tell you to go out and destroy this earth that God has given? No. Come on. But mankind does not have that kind of power. And we're not going to recognize it. Because we want to give our allegiance to the Creator, not to the created beings. Can we say amen to that? Can we think about that? I want you to literally pray about this. I mean, this is something that we need to think about. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask God to give you the Holy Spirit to make you sensitive to some of these things and open your eyes to how many times and how many ways it, that just as we walk through life that this world and society in which we live blasphemes our God as the Creator. How it lifts up man and makes him something fantastic. And it demeans God and makes him some small insignificant force. I'll tell you, I, I get angry every time I hear Mother Nature. Because that's a blasphemy against my God. He is not Mother Nature. He is the Creator. And in English, we use masculine pronouns talking about God the Father. Guess what? The world hates that. Our society, everything is against those things. Worship originates with who God is. You know, one of the things that we need to look at with all of these storms... This is a... Natural phenomena. God is not sitting up there going, Man, I got another one going. God's not doing that. He created the forces of nature, and we have had far worse hurricanes and typhoons than we've had this year. Does that mean that anybody that lost their homes is suffering any less? Absolutely not. But what it simply means is 
we're not going to demean God as the creator and how powerless is man to do anything to stop it? Hello? These global warming nutcases, these environmentalists who, who want to preserve all nature, if they were really that concerned, why don't they stop the hurricanes? Because they can't. Well, yeah. Absolutely. So let's get our eyes off man and put them on God. Every person that has gone through great peril, what, whether they're saved or not, what has been the testimony news? Thank God we made it through. You know why? Because he's the only one bigger than the storms. Amen? As we face things in life, we've got to get our eyes off of ourselves. There is nothing in these two chapters talking about the worship of God that has anything to do with the accomplishments of man. Read them. Study them. You see, they worship him in chapter 5 because thou hast made us kings and priests and we shall reign with him. But wait a minute, everything comes from Jesus. It's not about you. We, we live in a world that is constantly all about us. In our last few minutes here, I, I want us just to go through because in, uh, these words here, because in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. And we come down to verse 12 of chapter 5, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Now, God has everything. Amen? We cannot give God anything that He doesn't already possess. God does not become God because we worship Him. Right? Are we together with that? And yet... Both of these things, because He is the Creator, because He is the Savior, it says that God is worthy to receive. Now, that word receive means to take things, to to be given something, doesn't it? But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Even to them that, what? Believe on His name. And it says here that God is worthy to receive some things. Now, pray tell, who is going to give God these things? The worshipers. Now, how are we going to do that? Well, before we figure out how we're going to do that, let's figure out what we're giving. Amen? And these words that are there, the first thing is glory. 
And let's just take the second list because it's a little more exhaustive. Uh, and starting in verse 12, the first thing is power. Now, the word power simply means the ability to act upon or move. So, how does God receive power from us? Because He is the omnipotent God, the, the all-powerful God. We don't give Him any power, but how does He receive it here in worship? When we surrender... I don't know how many times, and and I'm asking God to help me here. Dear Lord, help us. God, I'm I'm trying to, dear Lord, I'm trying to fix this building here, and I'm trying to make these things happen, and I need you to help me figure out how to put this door in. And oh, wait a minute, you know, there's just something not quite right about that scenario, now, isn't there? I think I'd do a whole lot better by saying, Lord, I surrender my effort and my ability, my thought process, and Lord, I want you to take it and use it to your honor and glory. We we have an ongoing series of jokes to keep us humored over there because laughing beats crying any day. Amen. Uh, if it weren't just a little crooked, nobody would know that we fixed it. Uh, that's just one of our little things. And, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of crooked things. But praise God, it's kind of hard to see them. And we need to be careful. Because God doesn't do things halfway. God wants to do things right. And we need to surrender our power because it's not ours God gives us the ability to move and to breathe and to walk and to talk amen and if we're going to really worship him it says he is worthy to receive power you know what he is worthy of my life force he has the right of direction He is the one that should be determining where I invest. Not only my physical strength, but how about my emotional, my mental strength, my spiritual strength. God ought to be the one that determines where and how that power is expended. Because He's worthy to receive power. There is nothing that I, one of the preachers preached on, all that, uh, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whether you eat or whether you drink. Listen, he's worthy to receive power. What's the next one? Riches. Oh, I knew you were going to talk about an offering tonight. No, not talking about the offering. But what I'm talking about is when we give. Do we give grudgingly? Or of a necessity? That's why that verse is printed on tithing envelopes. 
God loves a cheerful giver. How do I give cheerfully? Well, it's part of our worship, is it not? When I count him and his work in my life of a greater value than anything I can give to him. Amen? Is he worthy? He is worthy to receive power and riches. And what's the next one? Wisdom. How many of you have ever had this happen? you got a problem, something you just can't figure out, and you start really praying and saying, God, I need you to help me know what to do here. I need wisdom that I just don't have. And all of a sudden, it all works out. You sit there going, wow, how did that happen? Boy, I'm smarter than I think I am. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> no. He's worthy to be given credit for every good and wise decision that I make. Amen? He's worthy. How many times have we exercised anti-wisdom? That's a really nice term I came up with instead of stupid, all right? Uh, I mean, how many times have we exercised foolishness in our lives? We need to understand he is worthy to receive wisdom. Because if we do anything that could be considered wise... It's all because of Him to begin with, is it not? Amen? And we need to take our attention. How about strength? I'll tell you what, we started getting that assembly line going and and, uh, we had so many people loading the containers. Those boxes weighed uh, about 45, 50 pounds each. And and there was, uh, the pallets were... Right about six foot high. So you could just imagine how many boxes were in each pallet. And uh, 32 pallets I counted. And uh, just uh, the total weight was about uh, just under 90,000 pounds. That's why it had to be put into two containers. uh, Because half of it was just too much uh, for... uh, The whole thing was too much for one. It would be over the 80,000 limit. So just under 90,000 pounds. Stop and think about moving all that weight in less than an hour. You know what? Strength. How many of you can think of something that God has done in your life where He gave you supernatural strength? Whether it was spiritual, physical, emotional, to deal with things. Someone said, how do you keep from losing your mind? I said, well, you can't lose something you don't have. Amen? Uh, Give it to God, and it belongs to Him. But He gives us strength. Is He not worthy of being given the credit for any good thing that comes? Amen? Honor. 
The Bible says, honor to whom honor, right? There are many honorable things in this world. Many dishonorable as well. But no one deserves our esteem and our honor like the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. How does he receive honor? Well, I'll tell you, as we were loading that container uh, the last few things that were going there, uh, there was four guys just right at the very end and they were throwing those boxes and catching them and putting them way up in the top of the containers. And there were four guys there. It was Andrew, Stephen, Chad, and, and, or three guys. And, and there were a couple other guys in there, but somebody came up and said, Man, those boys of yours, they're like machines. You know what that was? That, that was honor. When we do something that makes people think better of our Savior, He receives honor from us. Amen? How many of you have been just tempted? Had it? I'm just going to give him a piece of my mind, quit, yell, scream, holler, shout, something that would not be very honorable to do. devil loves to tempt us there, doesn't he? Honor. How does God receive honor? When we do something that causes the world in which we live, people that we come in contact to think more about Jesus. Acts chapter 4, they took notice that the disciples had spent time with Jesus, didn't they? They thought more of Jesus because of the way the disciples answered the questions, quoting Scripture and things that... They probably never even remember. Oh, yeah, that's in the Bible somewhere. And looked it up and said, where in the world did these ignorant disciples learn this? Well, oh, that's right. They had been with Jesus. His knowledge of the Scriptures was far past because it's His book. Amen? Honor. Glory. I don't think you have to spend a lot of time on glory. The word means shadow, but it is giving praise. It is making it bigger. Your shadow is bigger than you are, isn't it? If you stand in the sun, I uh, stand at the right time of the day, you could be 20 foot tall. Throw a 20 foot shadow anyway. And it is making God, it's understanding His greatness. And what's the last one? Blessing. Do you know that we, by asking God to give us direction and strength to serve Him, can actually return a blessing to God? God can be pleased 
You know, I, I just hate that term. Aren't you proud of that boy? Oh, I, just, I just hate that because it's, it's so... Pride is the greatest sin in the Bible. How about blessed? Have you ever been blessed by someone else? Because they stood there and they helped you out or they were able to give you direction or something that you needed in your life? And God says, we can give Him blessing. Just like honor. How many testimonies have we heard even in this auditorium over the years? We thank God for our church and what God has done in lives through our church. Listen, that's not because of me. It's not my church. It's not your church. We get to serve in the church, but whose church is it? Jesus is the one that designed the church. And when we participate in it according to His direction, what do we get? Blessings. And we can return those to Jesus Christ because He is worthy as our Savior. Have you ever been out in nature and just overwhelmed with the beauty of God's creation? And just said, thank you, Lord, for making such a wonderful place. Or look at those pictures of deep space and all of the planets and the dust. I mean, those pictures of the dust clouds in, in, in outer space are so incredibly beautiful. They're beyond anything man has created with art or... God does greater things with dirt... Dust than we could possibly imagine. Power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. And what did the four and twenty? I mean, the uh, elders, the the beast. What did they say in the last verse there? And the four beasts said, "What? Amen." Can you say amen? You know, this has been kind of eclectic tonight, just bouncing around these two chapters. But the reason I wanted to do that is just to shake things up a little bit and get us thinking, because. If we want God to do something great, we have some needs as a church. We really do. Well, we got to get our eyes off our needs. Stop going, God help us, God help us, God please help us. Because it really shouldn't be us doing the work and asking God to help us do the work. It ought to be Him doing the work. Amen? 
And this is called worship. And tonight the invitation is very simple. Primarily for the members of our church, because if you're not saved, you cannot worship Him. Because He will not accept anything from you until you recognize Him as the Creator and the Savior. Once you do that, then you can worship Him. But if you're saved, you're baptized, you're a member of this church, I just have one simple request. Would you pray with me about our church being able to get a better understanding and and to work on our worship. How many would say, Pastor, I'll pray with you about that. I just make a public invitation. I mean, I, I, I don't know any reason why anyone wouldn't. But we need to as a church. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and Lord, there are just so many things that are distracting, that are out there, that are screaming for attention. And Lord, what we want to do is, is get ourselves focused on this thing called worship, not in some erythral, or, but in a very practical and biblical sense. Lord, we want you to help us understand what is acceptable to you as worship, what actually blesses you and honors you and glorifies you. Lord, you have the right to determine and to teach us. And we have the responsibility to learn. And Lord, we ask, I ask as the pastor, that you would instruct me as, as I've tried to develop this series of messages here. That we'd be able to put, put by the, the froth and the, the shallowness of this world in which we live and grasp simple biblical principles that some things that happen in this church would make saved and unsaved alike just stop and say, wow, what a great God they worship at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Lord, to give that glory and honor that is that you are so worthy to receive that, Lord, you would open our eyes to see the blasphemies of this world. And, Lord, understand that it's not our job to correct the world. But it certainly is our duty to do a better job of worshiping you in our church. Lord, We're not asking you to help us. We're asking you to work for us and through us. We're asking you to do it, that the glory that is generated would be worthy of the God we worship, worthy of the Father and worthy of the Son, that it would be worthy to be titled, directed by the Spirit. In Jesus' name, we covenant together to pray for this. Amen. Let's stand together as we're dismissed. Page 51.